0: It's hard being far away, it's hard to be far away from the celebrations, and it's hard to hear what's going on back home and not being able to be part of it. But I'm so happy here, and I've created my life up here. i met amazing friends. I've got a group of friends, which is family. I'm part of the LK family, which is a true family, that I know my family will always be my family, even if they're far away.
1: A good kitchen produces good food. But a great kitchen brings people together. Welcome to Meet Me in the Kitchen, a podcast inspired by Little Kitchen Academy, exploring the key ingredients to a meaningful life and how they are changing lives from scratch. Here's my dad and your host, Scott Rintoul.
2: I always love hearing my daughter Abigail introduce me, and it feels even more appropriate for this particular episode because it's all about family. No matter what traditions you celebrate during the holiday season, they are almost assuredly influenced by family. Whether that's your family, your partner's family, your adopted family, or people who you consider family. Felicity and Brian Curran, who are members of my family, are also the founders of Little Kitchen Academy, And they've been very intentional about referring to everyone connected to their company as the LKA family. Rather than have me try to explain all of the ways that can apply to the various people connected to Little Kitchen Academy, we thought we'd bring a number of them together for a special holiday edition of Meet Me in the Kitchen. It's our podcast version of a family gathering, and we'll begin with the people who've chosen to bring everyone together. Felicity and Brian have thoughtfully created the family environment found throughout the Little Kitchen Academy network. And as it turns out, a lot of their inspiration comes from their own family.
3: You know, I think back to being in the kitchen with my mom and dad and, and having that time. And my mom, you know, wanted everything very particularly, right? You know, I'll tell you that she wants to want our fingers dirty. She didn't want any mess. It had to be flawless. And I mean, there, it was, again, it wasn't like Brian said about the food. It was about that time. And I miss I miss being able to have that. Like if I'm having a stressful day, Brian will always say, you come down to the little kitchen, just sit for a while and just do your work here. Because it does fill my bucket, right? It recharges my batteries, refocuses me. And I miss it. But watching the stories on social media and I see the different environments, all of a sudden you pull it up and boom, boom, boom. All of the stories are little kitchens, all the different environments. And I'm watching and i can feel emotion in those stories i can feel what the class is like and it's it's so nice to be able to to understand that there are children everywhere who are who are feeling really strong and really independent like that's great right and having these children matriculate from little kitchen going yeah i can do it or yeah i'm going to take a risk and try is is huge and you know i look at my dad look, you can look at everybody in my life You know, my dad built a school to influence and change the trajectory of children's lives 25 years ago. And, you know, I wonder if he gets that same feeling that I do. You know, with all of these, of course, we have thousands of children coming through a little bit faster. He has them for a longer haul. But it's really exciting. You know, there's that Mr. Rogers effect. You know, we're doing something really good for these kids. They're feeling really good about themselves. We don't do it. Like I must, I always tell parents that, you know, oh, you've done so much for my child. You've done this. Well, I haven't. The child has done the work. We just have the environment, right? We have the spotlight, the stage. The child does it. We've just removed obstacles and we've given them the the chance to do it. I'd like to go
4: back to my moment in time, my connection to food, because I think it's, you know, Felicity started in the kitchen and and she mentioned the hobby farm. And I think that's something in society where, you know, I grew up in a, a family. My dad was a doctor. My mom, you know, kept the house together and helped my dad. And like two sisters, you know, grew up with two sisters. And when I was really young, my parents took me up to a farm. We weren't farmers, but my dad had worked on this farm because his parents took him up to this farm to instill like good work ethic. And that was, a, you know, I was five, six years old and I worked on the farm until 17, driving anything that had wheels and milking cows and harvesting eggs from chickens and shoveling pig shit and everything. I mean, bailed, hey, like this is what I did. And and today that still holds strong. I don't know if there's an easy answer to this for either of you, but what are you most proud of to this point?
3: My children being so proud. You know, one of our daughters, Gabby, is, is looking at studying special needs education because she has seen the impact. She's so incredible when, when we have exceptional learners in here. She looks at them with more more love than I have. You know, I want to have the love that she has, but it's just so pure. And she goes, they just learn differently. They don't learn slower. They don't learn faster. They they don't have a hard time learning. It's just different. And, you know, that's, and she she now wants to help build that whole program within our company. Look at Bronwyn, seeing how she's changing her friends' lives, you know, her her neighbors or her, her cohorts or who, I don't even know who's coming over to her house, but she's changing them. And then look at my youngest, Gwen, who will come home and say, Mom, well, one of my teachers asked if you can, if, if there's any room for her child in a class, but there's a wait list, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm like, well, what? let me know. I mean, I, if it's full, it's full. There's not much we can do about it, but I'll let them know when there is a spot. And she says, I'm so proud, Mom. It feels so good. You know, and hearing these things, that's that's 100% what I'm most proud of. I thought
4: you were going to go with me. Um, but the kids are good too. The what girls you? are good.
3: I'm, 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 I'm proud of you, but I'm going to go with me. Who knows
4: I'm, you, I'm married as well. Chance of that? I answer know, never that was coming. that was never. Wait, wait do
3: you think that? Do you think that's? Like,
4: <laughs> no, you know Brian.
3: Everybody who knows Brian knew that he was going to do something. He was going to be able to grow it, right? <laughs> he's he's our own miracle growth.
4: No, so it's not an easy question to answer, actually, because there's so many things to be proud of. I'm probably most proud of Felicity because this was her idea. I mean, this was her vision, and and to take her two worlds and say, okay, this is what I want to do, and. Not just because it was an idea of I want to do this, but then being able to evolve not easily and to grow not quickly into the role that she's in. of I've got to share something I don't want to share. And that's what she's doing. And her place of joy is in her words. She's like, I just want to be in Little Kitchen Academy and watch a child make an omelet. That's what I want to do. And no one does it better. And for her to say, OK, now I'm going to train people and share this with you know, all sorts of people around the world. That's a tough thing to do as a business owner, a founder, uh, just I have this idea, a hobby that I want to do. And all of a sudden it's taken on this whole new life. So that's probably the, the one thing I'm most proud of. And then I'm really proud of the fact that we've created a brand and a company that is allowing us to impact the world. A few years ago, I wouldn't have cared about that. I mean, it wouldn't have even resonated with me. It's, we've always been philanthropic. We're always giving. We're always willing to help. I you know, I think I have a fairly large heart. But, you know, selling flip-flops or scooping ice cream or you know, rolling up burritos or whatever, you know, selling luxury jeans, whatever it may have been that we did and scale globally, you know, proud of it. It was fun and it was exciting. But this is actually changing lives from scratch, you know, going back to it. And I'm most proud that we get to do it with people we love.
2: As you heard Felicity and Brian mention, their three daughters are their pride and joy. Gabriella, Bronwyn, and Gwen have been a part of Little Kitchen Academy from the beginning. First as the original test kitchen, and now as instructors when they're not attending university. It seems only fair to give my nieces a chance to talk about their parents, especially since they don't even have to leave their family home to experience Little Kitchen Academy.
1: So it's actually painful because it's so similar. And Mm -hmm. whenever mom's at home and we're cooking dinner together or we're doing something in the kitchen, we call it little kitchening us because she'll do these like little things and she'll be she'll say like, oh, like, why do you have to add that in there? And like, we know when she's doing it and we'll roll our eyes because we're so used to teaching it and seeing it constantly. And like, it's completely the same. It, It feels like we're at little
5: kitchen even when we're at home
2: when you lit up mm. when I asked that question. You <laughs> yes. wanted to jump in. So what did you no, want to say? We
5: get little kitchened all the time. Like we grew up getting, I call, I, I say it's Montessori mom. I'm like, oh, Montessori yeah. mom. Like I always, because it was after when she got her Montessori degree and like went to school for that. That's when I started being like, oh, why is she explaining everything like this? Oh my goodness. Because <laughs> like we'd already been around it for so long. We've already, we know how to do these things. Like so even now, like when I cook with mom, she's like, oh, and why do you think we do that? Do you know why we do that? I'm like, are you mm. kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I ask the kids this. Why are you asking me? Mm. But no, it actually, it is really funny. We just, we do make fun of her for it.
6: Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, it's really interesting seeing some similarities between like how mom has taught at Little Kitchen and then how she kind of communicates with us here. And I just like, even some of the jokes or the classic things like just sayings she says to the children at little kitchen all the time i remember her saying those to us as well and it's nice because you know it's it's nice seeing other people or other children connect with her so much over those same things that we did it's funny just seeing her say the same things to us now as we're older and at our own kitchen and everything we have to remind ourselves every now and then like you know she's just so excited to teach us about these things and i also have to remind myself. If I get a little annoyed at the little reminders or the questions she asks while we're cooking. I'm like, you know what? To be honest, I probably couldn't answer it in the first place. So it's good she's asking me it. But yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny just to see how similar she is at Little Kitchen and at home.
2: What are you most proud of with what they've built in Little Kitchen Academy?
6: I think probably
1: the impact that Little Kitchen is gonna have on like the world really, because there's nothing out there like this. I never knew how important it was for people to be able to cook on their own until I saw how many people didn't know how to do it. And I think like not only the independence in the kitchen but the creativity that it gives kids and will give them growing into adulthood and everything like is really special. And so I'm, I'm really proud that my parents were able to come up with something that like literally
5: is changing lives from scratch. I think that's really cool. I think I'm like most proud of the like family that we've been able to kind of make out like from this because we have like there's some really good people that work like alongside mom and dad like Felix from Top Valley. He's one of the nicest people I've ever mm-hmm. met in my life. Yeah. We we love Felix. um and but there's, dog. And his dog. <laughs> yes. Mewsley. <laughs> yeah. he's up there too. But I think it's just like the community of people that they've made. It's such a healthy community and it's such a positive and I don't know it's just it really makes me feel good because when I come home like I get to go out with my work friends and I get to go back to work and see these people or Gabby and I on our days off we'll go down to the office just to hang out with everybody just because we genuinely like like being around these people so much so I think that's probably what I'm most proud of. Well not
6: to discredit my dad but I I think I'm most proud of mom for everything she's done like I can just remember for years and years her talking about Little Kitchen and her interest in Montessori too and everything about it like I can even remember years ago her asking us to draw like little logo designs for Little Kitchen that was so long ago now that I think of it from when Little Kitchen actually started so it's really cool to see our mom's dreams and and her idea come to light and actually materialize like become a thing and like a growing business that Like Gabby said, it does change so many lives and it's a really important, it has a lot of different important skills that are taught through it. So yeah, I'm just really proud of all the work, both of them, but especially my mom has done.
2: When you hear those young women speak about their parents and the environment that's been created at Little Kitchen Academy, it gives you a better understanding of how ingrained the concept of family is in everything that's done at LKA. And that's a big part of what attracted Kat Cora to join the advisory board and become an ambassador. The first female Iron Chef and world-renowned culinary expert fell in love with the concept prior to the doors ever being opened. And a big part of that had to do with Kat's belief in the power of family.
7: You know, we have a lot of love in our family. You know, that's just, it's all about peace and love for us. Family, food, food. And I think that the world is so full of uncertainty and fears. And I think that when you have your home, your home should be your place where you come and have peace and comfort and safety and a place where you can just really be loving and caring and nurturing. And it should be a place where you're nurtured and everyone should feel that way. Sadly, that's not true around the world, but I really try to create that in our household. Because I think it's so important to, you know, we talk a lot about mental health. And I think it's so important to my children's mental health, that this is the place, this is their soft place to land when they come to my home. You know, when they're coming here, and they're with me, that's their soft place to land. And it's a place where they can escape the rest of the world. No matter what's going on out there, they can come behind the closed doors of our home, we cook together, we love each other, we nurture each other, and they get some peace. Well,
2: and I know at Little Kitchen Academy, that's the impression they want children to come away with as they develop their independence, and we will get to that. But I'm wondering for you personally, like, is there a snapshot in your mind or a moment in time when you were a child that is just a really happy place that you associate with the kitchen and cooking?
7: Yeah, I think really my my happiest time was you know, being in the kitchen with my mother and my grandmother. And, you know, I mean, my mom would, you know, I was rolling grape leaves and working with phyllo dough when I was seven, eight years old. And so I think, you know, cooking with my mom, baking cookies. I loved to do tea parties when I was really little. So I'd, you know, bake cookies with my mother and make everybody sit down and do tea parties. And, you know, I loved entertaining from very, very little girl and my parents were big entertainers. Um, we didn't have a lot of money, but they had a lot of friends and a lot of fun friends. And we always had great food and, and great wine and, and, and great time. So they always had, you know, we always had an eclectic group of friends over from every walk of life, every religion, every gender, every race, every um, sexual orientation you could imagine. They were very open and tolerant and, you know, it was just a fun, it was just a fun childhood in that way. They were just big entertainers and I loved it. And so I, that's why I know I got my love from that. And then I also had, my grandfather had restaurants. My godfather had restaurants and he was, they were at our house a lot and I grew up around restaurants, so I love that vibe of going in and the energy and the happiness and hearing glasses clink together and watching people laugh and just the whole energy of restaurants I fell in love with at a really young age, and I knew that I wanted to be a part of that.
2: Kat Cora has worked with a plethora of restaurants and opened a number of her own over the course of her remarkable career but she also faced her fair share of challenges in what has traditionally been a male-dominated heteronormative industry. Avery Fletcher can certainly relate. Avery's the director of Little Kitchen Academy Century City, where he's found far more than a job. He's found a place where he's accepted and appreciated. A place where he belongs.
8: My journey here, you know, went from zero to 60 very fast. And, you know, I started as a, you know, part-time instructor and quickly became assistant director and then director within a month and a half, two months of starting. So, you know, I don't think I would have just said yes to all those things if I wasn't, like, very on board and could already see that I was able to be myself. And I think really what was the, like, clincher in that was Felicity. I mean, meeting her especially when she came back down after I became the director and we spent time together, I really felt like she gave me permission and and an expectation to be myself that other jobs don't always like care about, you know?
2: Yeah, I do know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And at its best, and what I believe LK is striving for, and you have a better idea than I do on this, is to let everybody know you have a place here you are welcome here and you can be yourself those things don't have to be mutually exclusive there's no box for you to fit into
8: yeah i i can't remember exactly the conversation we had when she was here that one time but you know i did talk to her about being gay and being in the culinary industry like they don't always you don't always feel like you have a place in it and so to find this role and to be not only like confident as like who I am as a chef, but also to be like a role model for others is very humbling and very gratifying because I didn't really expect that I needed or wanted that. Like I said, I really just thought it was going to be like a part-time job where I was teaching classes a couple times a week. I mean, as much as I feel like LKA is grateful for me, I feel very grateful to be here as well.
2: I know there are thrilled to have you. And I know they're lucky to have you even having just this conversation with you and and everything that you've gone through. And and you're talking about that experience of not necessarily feeling like you have a place as an adult who can comprehend a lot of different things. And it makes you feel for kids who are going through a spot in their lives where they don't feel like they have a place and creating an environment where they can have one is extremely important to let people know that they belong, which brings up the whole concept of, of inclusivity. What does inclusivity mean in a kitchen? What does it mean in Little Kitchen Academy?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think it's throwing down our preconceived notions about things. I think when I look at my childhood, particularly, I feel like I was my most authentic self until you know, you start to hit school, you know, you start to hit especially middle school and then high school. You know, I remember just being so free in elementary school, just did whatever I wanted and wore whatever I wanted and expressed myself without fear of like gender roles or culture. And obviously growing up in lower Manhattan definitely helped with that and having like a supportive family and super open community was great but you know once you hit middle school and then high school even though i came out when i was 13 i felt constantly like i was making myself more comfortable for other people so i feel like that happens with children all day all the time and to to create a space where you know they can come in and really be themselves completely without anyone telling them that that's right or wrong is so important. And if we could create that kind of precedent for children f- for their whole development, you know, until they reach adolescence, I mean, I feel like we would have just so much less baggage in our lives as a, as a culture. <laughs>
2: Avery's passion for creating a safe, accepting, welcoming environment certainly resonates with our next guests, who, like Felicity and Brian, are a couple building their business and their family together. Haley Sexton-Clark and her husband, Eamon Clark, own and operate Little Kitchen Academy The Beach in Toronto, and they literally have their families to thank for preparing them for an opportunity tailor-made for both their skill sets and their values.
9: So my mom has a Montessori school in the beach community, and I've been with her there for the last, I don't know, 16 years, I would say. And, you know, when I saw the Montessori piece and then I saw the culinary piece, you know, I just couldn't think of something better for Eamon and I. And I actually would run little cooking classes out of the Montessori school as a little after school program. And so when I saw a little kitchen, I just, you know, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, this could not be more perfect for, for Eamon and I, and You know, I really believe in Montessori. Both of our children attend Montessori schools. It's something that I I live and breathe. And you know, being able to give the gift of Montessori to even more children, that was really, really important for, for me personally.
2: The culinary aspect is the vehicle to independence, which is what Little Kitchen Academy and Montessori in general, that is what you're really trying to foster. And when we talk about the culinary piece, Eamon, that's how you grew up as well. And that has been your life. We talked about how Haley grew up working with her family business. Why don't you let everybody know how you came up and what your family business has been?
10: Yeah, I mean, at a young age, my father started, you know, the Mecca of all Oyster House's in North America, Rodney's Oyster House. It's the best it's always been. It's an amazing environment. It's an amazing, thoughtful place. My dad, being a very huge character, I was always so fond of his story and what he was doing on a daily. And I was fortunate enough to sit at the end of the bar, full of napkins, drink Cokes, and run around and terrorize the, uh, the staff at a very young age while my sister was in the kitchen with Mama Grace making chocolate mousse from scratch. You know, there was just so many different elements of, of my life growing up in Rodney's and being a part of that community at a young age, was working there. As soon as I could, around 16, 15 years old, I started shucking oysters for catering, off-site events and stuff like that, and got very good at it. And yeah, I just, I loved everything restaurant. I knew all about entertaining. That's where I was lucky enough to grow up. And so, Food has always been very, very comfortable for me and not foreign. And I've made a lot of really nice friends because of that upbringing. It's You can find me in the kitchen, always.
2: It's interesting when you look at people who have gone into their family business because there's a lot of kids out there that see their parents doing something and they are either really attracted to it or they want to go somewhere completely different. Let's start with you, Eamon, and then go to you, Haley. For each of you, what was it about what your parents were doing and the environment that each had created that attracted you to doing what you've done? Oh, my gosh. Have you ever been? Like, Rodney's is, like, one of a kind, right? (laughs) I have had the great pleasure of eating in the Rodney's in Vancouver. I have not been to the original
10: location, but I have
2: been to the one in Vancouver, and it is a fantastic place.
10: Right. And, like, that's the whole thing, like – Okay. So you can imagine a 12 year old guy in a hockey team and all the parents want to have the end of year party at Rodney's for what reason? It's because when you went into this electrifying atmosphere where in that time, you know, cell phone videos and all that kind of stuff wasn't a thing. It was more so just being present and, and just really enjoying something so unique that was so fresh out of the ocean. You ate it, sat there on the bar, the music was pumping people were leaving smiling laughing you know intoxicated all those fun things as you get older you just were I was so attracted to it you know my father was the first of his kind in the sense of like the way he brought oysters to Toronto and to Canada and the way that he was presenting them it was very very cool it was very hip and I was like this is totally what I want to be and then I'd spend my summers in PEI and it was just the best it's the most beautiful little province sun is shining the oceans waters fresh everything's great and then the first weekend of every August was the Canadian oyster shucking championships and there my dad would go up and he won that and he would win it and the parties that were had at the cottage you know just epic right and then my dad like hoisting the trophy to go to represent Canada in in Ireland you know all from just shucking 18 oysters perfectly but just understanding his craft, understanding how good he was at that, it was very cool. It was I, I was super attracted to it because I mean, it's very rare that you get a party with oysters and it sucks. You know, it's usually something where it's like, This was a great party. I had a killer time and I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And By all means, I I just love that side of it. Entertaining was always a part of me. And just learning from my father and working with my sister and all that kind of stuff has always been very, very, very cool and attractive to me.
2: This is where I throw the dad joke in of an oyster party never sucks, it only shucks
10: right? Yes. Oh, there's been so many puns with that. Yeah. No, without a
2: doubt. Yeah. And
10: what about you, Haley? What was it about
2: your mom's business with Montessori and what she was doing with children that you got to be a part of that attracted you to doing that?
9: Well, my story is definitely not as exciting as Eamon's because he, you know, oyster shucking, that's a whole other world and uh, very fun. But my mom has been, you know, working with children for ever and she has been part of the beach community with her school for about 30 years. And she's always just been such an inspiration with me for, for me, how she can make families feel so safe and welcome and loved. And I've always loved being with children, working with children, the challenges that come with that because, you know, when you have 20 children in a class, there can be lots of challenges. But she has always been so calm and patient. And when I got to work with her, I just learned so much and learned so much about children and how we can help children. And I think being part of the school for so long, and how many children I've taught, And the relationships that I have made with their families and still have with those families, it's really, really special. And I just feel really lucky that I got to be part of it for such a long time.
2: When you hear Haley talk about education and the impact she's seen it have on families, you can really feel how invested she is in it. That's also very true of Ricky Yada, who is the Dean of the Faculty of Land and Food Systems at the University of British Columbia. Ricky has dedicated his entire career to education about food, from research to teaching. But while he's far more schooled than most in nutrition and food production, his love and curiosity for the subject began at home with his family.
11: I'll tell you a bit of an anecdote here. So growing up in a Japanese family, when I was growing up, sashimi was often on our table. But I said to my mom, I can't eat that, right? Because the whole concept of eating raw fish was a little bit foreign to me. And I didn't have many Japanese friends. So when they came over, they go, what's that? And I go, raw fish. And it's interesting, the transformation. At that point in time, they go, how yucky. Now, if they were to come over, they can't get enough. But my mom said to me, and this was the light bulb moment, how do you know you don't like it? Because you haven't tried it. And so once I tried it, not so bad. (laughs) So, you know, it's that whole concept that I think Brian and Felicity tried to reinforce at Little Kitchen Academy, be explorers be adventuresome you know be willing to actually participate in other ethnic cuisines sometimes we're not exposed to that and so if you're not exposed how would you ever know you're
2: right and it sounds to me like you had a very open-minded mother perhaps your father was the same way is that where that now comes from do you think i think all kids have that pushback moment that perhaps you had with sashimi but do you credit your parents with giving that to you throughout the years
11: Oh yeah, definitely, Scott. You know, there's one thing my father uh, would say to the family. He said, you know, if they were down to the last straw, the last straw would be putting good food on the table, right? We'll always have good, healthy food on the table. And I never forgot that. And I think that's part of my, you know, rationale for being involved in land and food and understanding food systems and food science and technology. So as I said, probably at the beginning, it comes to me genuinely.
2: I sense that you have a genuine love and passion for food as well. And that's something that we need to have more of. The reason we called this podcast Meet Me in the Kitchen is because that's where a lot of people end up at any great gathering or any great party It is an intimate environment, and when you invite people into your home and you share food with them, it should be an enjoyable experience, and sometimes I feel as though that's lost on people.
11: Yeah, I agree. You know, as I have previously said, you know, we eat food for just more than the nutritive value. Food becomes that connector. You know, I'll borrow a term from Malcolm Gladwell. You know, he talks about connections and connectors. Food is that inanimate object that connects people he was referring to people being people connectors but i would argue that food as you've outlined scott is that great common denominator
2: ricky makes a great point about the connectivity that can be generated from what he referred to as the common denominator food The conversations, the laughter, the shared enjoyment a group can experience by sharing a meal together around a table. It's where families come together in their homes, and at Little Kitchen Academy, it's where class culminates. The community table is a very special component of every Little Kitchen Academy. Each one is made from over 33,000 recycled chopsticks, which makes the stories of each of those tables as unique as the ones heard around them. That fact is symbolic of the man who created those community tables. Felix Bach of Chop Value grew up in a tiny village in the German Alps, which informed his own view of what it means to be part of a larger family known as a community.
12: You're right, I think when you grow up in a smaller community, you you have a stronger sense of responsibility because you can't really afford to look away. You know, you do help each other, you are there for each other, you know each other's names. And you rely on each other. And I think this is part of the culture we are building with Chop Value. The name Community Table definitely is inspired by Felicity. You know, Felicity wanted this to be the center of Little Kitchen Academy where everyone comes together at the end of a session, at end of every session, to enjoy their meal on. So it had to match the experience. You know, the, the experience of, of the session that are being provided for the kids has to match the experience of where they're sitting at so that, you know, that connection is not getting lost. And this is what I got. Like, I think that was the only introduction I got before we designed the community table. And with that, we ran the way we ran. And I'm not sure if it was during that time or maybe shortly after we actually hired our first community builder as a job position at job value because we, we, we noticed that this is the path forward. Like we, we don't want to call it, you know, a transaction anymore when, when we do sales or a transaction anymore, when we meet someone that could benefit to grow our business. No, we wanted to make sure that this is a position we call community building as part of a more longer term sustainable path to grow our partnerships.
11: Well,
2: the table itself is a symbol of that. And you spoke to that earlier here's what one little chopstick can do, but look at what all of these little chopsticks together can do. And you've done that with your network of restaurants and now with your franchising around the world. And really, that's what Little Kitchen is trying to do with the children it educates. I'm not saying this to patronize you whatsoever. I recently interviewed my daughter for this podcast. She's eight years old. And I asked her what her favorite part of being at a Little Kitchen Academy class is. And she said, sitting at the community table at the end with everyone else, sharing our meals and talking together.
12: Oh, that's so cute. I mean, and this is, you know, out of personal experience. I remember having maybe one meal together as a family per year. And that wasn't Christmas because, you know, growing up in a very hardworking family with a family business, you know, you, you kind of, you eat in shifts or you don't eat at all together. And hearing this from your daughter as an experience, I mean, this is just, you know, the little icing on the cake, I guess, to feel good about what we do together with LK.
2: I don't know how often you get home these days, but because of technology, I'm sure your family can follow you from around the world. I understand, though, your mom is not the biggest fan of you. She's the biggest fan of Little Kitchen Academy on social media. What is it about Little Kitchen Academy that has resonated with your mother?
12: Oh, I think, you know, it's this emotional connection when you you can't help but smile when you see these kids in their experiences in, in this space. And I love that you picked up on that because it's true. You know, my, my mom, her name is Gabby. She is following every single little kitchen account that she finds on Instagram. I think one of her hobbies is Googling if there are new Instagram accounts that, that may be popped up and make sure that she follows each of them, you know, and, you know, quite arguably, they're the same content on there, only in different cities because you see kids cooking. But she's, you know, whenever I visit and I look over what she's doing on her phone, she's usually watching kids cooking at Little Kitchen Academy. And I'm like, I think it's that connection to someone she knows or someone she got to know because she had the pleasure to meet Felicity and Brian and, and also that little connection to me because she probably is not interested seeing you know factories all the time or, or looking at wood. Uh, so she's, <laughs> she's probably looking a little bit through the Little Kitchen Academy accounts to what I'm up to or if, if I have delivered these community tables on time. I don't know, but I'm really, really happy that it has that effect on my mom and I feel a bit closer to her through that.
2: Well, and speaking of connection, Felicity and Brian's oldest daughter is named Gabby. It must have felt like this was meant to be from the get go.
12: <laughs> I know, I know, and and I think that's that's also something my mom is picking up on. You know, it, it it's really cute to see them interact, especially because of the language barrier sometimes. So, yeah, it makes me really happy. It's a, it's a really really great relationship.
2: Now, many of us are fortunate enough to share meals with our families far more often than once a year. But the story Felix shared about staying connected to his family in Germany despite the vast distance between them, it definitely resonates. Natalia Ordonez can certainly relate. Originally from Colombia, Natalia's sense of adventure brought her to Canada, and her path eventually led her to Little Kitchen Academy, where she now works as the recipe and curriculum manager. She develops flavorful, inventive recipes for the students to bring to life. And that flair for culinary creativity began in her own kitchen with, you guessed it, her family.
0: I do remember my mom would always make the Colombian typical dishes while we were living back home. Arepas were a staple. People will argue that they are Venezuelan. They're both Venezuelan and Colombian. They're just made in different ways. I remember my dad's boss would love the arepas and every Sunday my mom would make arepas. She'd pack some up in aluminum foil and I would bike over to my dad's boss house to leave the arepas for him and his wife for the week. And then probably moving back to Colombia is when I really got to try and really enjoy all the traditional foods from back home. My grandmother was always in the kitchen. I think that it's because of her that I started... Love baking. Her desserts were amazing. To this day, they are a family secret recipe. My mom and I will have them and everyone will ask for the recipes, and everyone knows that I'll share any savory recipe. I will never share a sweet recipe because they were my grandma's and it just it's part of the family. So after spending time with my grandma in the kitchen, after moving back to Columbia and being able to actually Go in and explore all the different Colombian dishes. I realized how different the cultural foods were comparing to those that I grew up eating in Asia. And that's where I just realized that I loved food. I came to university deciding that I wanted to do business. I had no idea I was going to come into this nutrition world. And after a year of university, I realized that business was not the way I wanted to go. I had taken 10 different courses in every subject you want. And after first year, I called my parents and I was like, I don't like what I'm doing. I'm dropping out of college. And they're like, wait a second, there has to be something that you like to do. Explore what other courses there are. I studied at UBC, and UBC is a very large university. So I went through every possible major, and it was an afternoon of just like checking off, like, nope, nope, nope. And then I came across one called Food, Nutrition, and Health. I looked into the details. It was a very broad bachelor's degree. It involved food, it involved nutrition, which I've always loved. I've always loved understanding what food does to your body, how your body functions. If medicine weren't such a long career and so detailed, I would have studied medicine, but I'm glad I didn't go down that path. And then I decided that that was the way I was going to go. So I finished my degree in food, nutrition, and health. And during my time there, I took different courses about sociology and food, food science, the cultural background of food. And that's where I think that everything just came together to understand that I wanted to work along the roots of nutrition and food and, and children.
2: It does strike me that when you spoke about your family earlier, that you are very close to your family. So I'm wondering how difficult a decision it is to be so far away from them on a daily basis.
0: Being far away is very hard. I'm very close to my parents and my siblings. But nowadays, technology helps in so many ways. I talk to my mom and my dad at least three times a day and FaceTime and send pictures to my siblings every now and then during the week. But I knew I wanted to explore and I knew I wanted to leave Columbia. So that decision of leaving was like, I already knew that I wanted to leave. So I knew that I would still be close with them just in different ways. It's hard being far away. It's hard to be far away from the celebrations and it's hard to hear what's going on back home and not being able to be part of it. But I'm so happy here and I've created my life up here, met amazing friends. I've got a group of friends, which is family. I'm part of the LK family, which is a true family that I know my family will always be my family, even if they're far away. I do get to see them at least once or twice a year, which is nice. I go back home for Christmas for sure. And then sometime during the year as well. So I miss them, but I I get to see them and I get to share what I do and seeing them so happy after I tell them how happy I am, it's worth it.
2: As Natalia mentioned, it's the time of year where she's able to gather with her family for the holidays, and we hope that you're able to do the same. For the entire family at Little Kitchen Academy, I'm Scott Rentoul, wishing you a safe and happy holiday season. I hope you're able to spend at least a part of it with people you really love.
1: Meet Me in the Kitchen is curated and produced by Toolkit Content. You can find more information about Little Kitchen Academy, including classes, locations, employment and franchise opportunities at littlekitchenacademy.com. What's the one ingredient that's always in your kitchen?